this book I wrote for people who want to build something with someone, you know? So there's no right or wrong. It really depends on what you want to build. And if you want to build a lifetime of thriving love and relationship with somebody, I would say there needs to be more than just leaving it to chance and luck. You're listening to Love and Libido with me, your host, Dr. Emily Jamia. The goal of this podcast is to educate and inspire. My hope is that you will learn tools to create connection and cultivate passion, both within yourself and in your relationships. Here's what's coming up on today's episode. Have you ever wondered what the secrets are to long-term love and attraction? Well, we have some interesting new research that sheds light on what the happiest couples already know. Get your pen and paper ready because whether you're dating or partnered, you're about to learn the key ingredients for lasting intimacy. I'm joined once again by Dr. Sarah Nasser Zadeh, who conducted the research I mentioned and compiled it for us in her new book, Love by Design, Six Ingredients to Build a Lifetime of Love. Dr. Sarah is a social psychologist who specializes in sexuality, relationships, and intercultural fluency. Her commitment to the growth of our human community manifests itself through her multidimensional efforts as a thinking partner, educator, consultant, author, keynote speaker, and media commentator. Let's dive in. Today's episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. My inbox is flooded with DMs on a daily basis with people just like you who want help with their sex and relationship issues. I wish I had time to answer all of your questions, but luckily other resources are available. Look, without healthy relationships and a calm mind, being truly happy and at peace is hard. The good news is help is available. You deserve to be happy, and now you don't have to worry about finding an in-person therapist near you. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist so you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy, and you can start communicating with your therapist in under 48 hours. Join the millions of people who are seeing what online therapy is really about. And as a special offer to Love & Libido listeners, you can get 10% off your first month of professional therapy at betterhelp.com slash dremily. That's betterhelp.com slash dremily. Thanks again to BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode. Dr. Sarah Nasserzadeh, welcome back to the show. I'm so happy to have you on again. Thank you. It's beautiful to be back. Yeah, I know. I think the last time I had you on, it might have been like two years ago. And you've obviously done a lot in that time, including writing a book, which I am so happy to talk about today. Um, We have so much to to discuss. So you just released a book officially today, the day that we're recording, I believe is your publication date. So congratulations. The book is titled Love by Design. So can you start by telling people what that title means and give us a little bit of a premise of the book? Absolutely. So as you know, we work with individuals and couples who are seeking more fulfillment in their lives. Sometimes we talk about their diets. Sometimes we talk about their relationships. Sometimes we talk about anything we do, basically relationship with money, with food, with this and that. We have financial planning. We have meal planning. We have everything planning. No love planning. So that's what the title says love by design you can truly design if you know what goes into designing that love that you desire and deserve i love that and i think you're 100 percent right i mean we think through a lot of 
other components of our lives very strategically. We think about what career ladder we want to climb. We think about what parenting strategy we want to implement. But when, I think when it comes to our romantic partnerships, maybe a lot of people kind of think about generally some shared values that they want to have. But beyond that, I don't know that people get into the nitty gritty. So talk to us a little bit about well, why don't we start with your research? Because this is all based on research, which I think is important for people to know. So I'd love to learn a, a little bit about the research you did in preparation for this book. Let's start there. Sure. So one of the things that I wanted to achieve with Love by Design was not to be too um, reductionist, so to speak, to say, here are the three things, do them, you will live happily ever after. But also on the other side of it, uh, the pain of literacy without fluency is very real in this mm -hmm. day and age. Right? Mm -hmm. But my clients, especially speaking, maybe speak English as their first language mm -hmm. versus me as why. Well, I don't even know which language, like a third language. Mm -hmm. uh, they're very um, literate in the language because they listen, they're educated these days. As you mentioned, at least they don't just fall um, like headfirst into love. They're like, okay, so maybe there are other factors that go to building a fulfilling relationship. But the problem is, and it's painful to watch, they put all of their efforts where that doesn't really matter. So one thing that I wanted to achieve with, the, the, with this research, well, two pieces of research that we've done, was to see how do we shift where we put our efforts to get the outcome that we want, right? Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. that was the purpose of the research. So I actually flipped the question. Usually when you read books about couples, they talk about where the problem areas are. They talk about how to fix but I would like to move to preventative side because again, like 20 years ago with medicine, mm -hmm. we didn't have that much of prevention, but nowadays, even with medicine that is supposed to fix the symptoms, we are moving away from it and going to yeah. prevention. So I wanted to see um, what makes relationships thrive, not to just survive and yeah. to fix. Mm -hmm. So that was the research question that I went in with. What makes relationships thrive? So I want to unpack a couple of things you said. So one was that you noticed that people were putting their efforts into the wrong places. Tell me where you noticed people were putting their efforts and where they should put their efforts. What what difference did you did you um, distinguish? So first of all, they were ad hoc conversations, anecdotal conversations, and some very wise conversations around where to put those efforts. For example, talk to each other. Talk to each other works for a low context country that we put words into everything and a country meaning like even culture, like for example, in the United States, if you go to the South is more high context rather than somewhere like New York, for example, that people what is, really talk fast. Mm -hmm. What is high context versus low context? Thank you for that. So <laughs> low context means you don't rely on the context as much. You rely on the words. Okay. So I explain everything to you in terminologies. Mm -hmm. in, I, I, I articulate mm -hmm. everything, mm -hmm. right? the concepts. But high context means you read the room. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's what I mean. So it's important when especially more and more of couples who get into cross-cultural, intercultural relationships, it's important for us to know that just talking about everything doesn't solve everything and you shouldn't yeah. really be talking about everything 
Thank you. Amen. <laughs> I'm a huge proponent of that. Yeah, I think we over rely on verbal communication as a fix all. And the fact is, it doesn't. We don't pay enough attention to nonverbal cues, energy. It's, I mean, communication is. There's an art and science to it, but we have to focus on the art side a little bit more than I think people are used to doing. Mm -hmm. Very true. Very true. And then, um, so yeah, that 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 was the, the purpose behind it. When you say, uh, where did they put their efforts that they didn't matter? That was number one. So I'm okay. not saying that, you know, I, I know that some people will clip this part of the podcast. I go to their partners and say that, I told you, let's not talk about it. <laughs> That's not what I mean. Okay. What I mean is... I see couples, um, they talk about their relationships and then they talk about the talk that they had about the relationship. I just watch them in my office and I see that they talk so much about the relationship, they forget to be in it. Yes. So that's one. Yes. The other thing is there's a process, there's a form from even the oldest Greek um, text that you read. There's mm -hmm. process, there is uh, content, right? Mm -hmm. The process of talking is one thing. You can still talk, you should still talk, but the content also matters, right? What goes in it. So for example, can I just give an example? Right yeah, after that? do it. Mm -hmm. So there's this model that I give to my couples just to take them from point A to Z, have a conversation, be done with it, move on, so that you have a resolution around it. I call it 4A. 4A, the first A, assess the context. Whatever that you want to bring up, assess the context. If the guy is playing video game, you can't just go in when the headphones are on. He can't even hear you in the middle of the thing, other than in rush, and say, um, "Han, take the garbage out. Okay, bye. I'm going to visit a friend or, you know, whatever. And then tomorrow morning you wake up, you get into a huge fight because the garbage is not taken out because the guy just nodded, didn't even hear you. Yeah. So assess the context. When are you approaching each other for a conversation, especially if it's sensitive, right? So that's one. The other one is announce the problem or announce whatever that is. Like, for example, I would like to talk to you or you know what happened, such and such. I would like to bring it up or this happened. It bothered me or let's plan for vacation, whatever the announcement of the topic, right? Okay. The third one is acknowledge. Acknowledge whether it's sensitive for you, it's sensitive for them. And make sure that your partner knows how important it is for you. Let's say, for example, can we please talk about um, what happened at dinner table the other night at your mother's? You know, it's 10 out of 10 for me. It's actually really important. Mm -hmm. Your partner shouldn't be left guessing how important it is for you. Is it just one venting situation or this is actually important for you? So mm -hmm. that is scaling matters, yeah. right? That acknowledgement as uh, why does it matter? How does it matter? How much? And then the last but not least, make an ask. Hmm. Can you please make sure that, you know, we don't do this next time? How do you think we can come together next time? Or can we sit down to plan for the next vacation, please? Yeah. You know, so these these are the simple things that I see that I want to give people. So I'm not just saying, hey, I'm introducing a new model of love based on research, based on this and that. I want people to use this as a textbook, as something that they pass on to somebody who wants to get married in the next generation. This needs yes. to be, well, of course I'm biased, but honestly, this is 20 years of work and research. Mm. And I've 
you know, I'm, I told my son that as soon as you hit 11, I'm going to read this book with you chapter by chapter. Love it. So I set him up for a successful <laughs> relationship life. Yes. Yes. I love that. So the four A's. So just to reiterate, we have assess the context, announce the problem, acknowledge the severity or the impact. So everyone knows how important it is. And then ask, make an ask or a request for change. Did I get that right? Absolutely. And for the acknowledgement, if I may add something else, sometimes it's not only the importance and severity, I didn't put emphasis on the other side of it, which is uh, how sensitive it could be. Mm, I mm -hmm. acknowledge that it might be sensitive for you, but bear with me. Yes, yes. You know? And I think oh, prefacing any conversation with that goes such a long way of, of disarming people with their defenses, just saying, hey, this is going to be hard for me to talk about. You know, are you in a place where you're open to receive it? Or I know this is kind of a sensitive issue with you, but I think it's important that we reevaluate X, Y, or Z. So just acknowledging the feelings component, I think, is a big piece of the puzzle and creates more holistic conversation and communication to your point. Um, and again, I just want to reiterate that importance of assessing the context, because I think that's where we are so aligned. I don't think that we do that enough. Can you just one more time say, like in the United States, where you see high context versus low context cultures? Because I think that was really important. I'd love to hear a little bit more about that. Sure. So with the low context, um, we can even go to the history as why this happened, mm. right? It, this is a land of immigrants. Yeah. The more immigrant, the more... Um, so when you uh, have a society that is more homogenous, it becomes more um, high context because people can read each other. Mm -hmm. I can read, read me there. When you go to a society that is more heterogeneous, which means uh, there are many people, different languages, different facial cues, and this day and age, thanks to Botox and fillers and whatnot, <laughs> you know, it's it's very difficult. To read <laughs> it's, true, right? it's true. It's true. Yeah. We really rely on the words more than anything else, and. Mm -hmm. um, so that that's what I mean, that it's important for us to know um the method of communication is not only for couples like you know i do a lot of global advisory as you know mm -hmm, the mm -hmm. from corporate and uh, as soon as i walk into the room the first exercise i need to do is to have people understand that they don't produce the same facial expressions as each other mm -hmm, they don't mm -hmm. use even the same words to mean the same concept yeah you know, yeah. so these are the things to create shared languages. That's why I think having podcasts like this, having books, having uh, radio shows, it's important that we share it also with our significant others. Maybe they don't read them. Maybe they don't necessarily listen to them, but at least the highlights of them so that when you talk about, for example, for a your partner knows exactly what you're talking about. It's not right. in your head. You're trying to walk them through it without mm -hmm. them really knowing where you're leading them. Exactly. And I think, you know, based on our own culture, but also past experiences, our worldview, our perception, our perspective, when people say or do something, we immediately process it through our own mental filters and attach meaning to it that isn't always the same as what the other person was trying to convey. And so I do think, especially early on in the relationship, getting into all this nuance of communication is really important so that with time and over the long term, you don't have to rely as much on that heavy um, 
you know, elements of verbal communication. You can just, like you said, read the room and, and learn to get in sync with one another in a way that's more harmonious. Exactly. And, you know, like building on what you just mentioned, let's say people go on dating these days, right? They have a list, they they know what questions to ask, what not, and they go out to eat. And majority of people go out to eat and alcoholic drink is a part of it. Mm -hmm. If not, then, you know, like psychedelics or whatnot. So when you are with that mentality, you can't really know the person. We have research to show that when you go to a dimmed light place, um, you are more susceptible to build intimacy and trust with the other person. Hmm. And so so these are that we know enough um, based on neuroscience to really guide people as how to date, where to go, what to say. Mm -hmm. It's not you're going to make you robots but it's important for you to know that whether the context is conducive to making you fall in love with the other person right. or actually have a proper logical assessment of the person if you're going to have hot sex dangling from chandeliers it's fantastic do it mm -hmm. right if that's your goal sure but this book i wrote for people who want to build something mm -hmm. with someone you know so there's no right or wrong it really depends on what you want to build and if you want to build a lifetime of thriving love and relationship with somebody i would say there needs to be more than just leaving it to chance and luck and now a quick break for a word from our sponsors is emotional and physical intimacy a challenge in your relationship do you long for the feeling you had in the honeymoon phase you're not alone I've created a tried and true method for reinvigorating your relationship. My private online workshop takes an innovative yet scientifically based approach to teaching you the tools to cultivate passion and create connection that lasts. Visit emilyjamia.com slash workshop for your free trial. I am so confident that you'll have a positive outcome that I've created a 100% money back guarantee. You really have nothing to lose. And if that's not reason enough, subscribers to my podcast get 50% off. Subscribe to the show and use code half off at checkout. Offer expires at the end of the week. Visit emilyjamia.com workshop today. And now back to the episode. Totally. And, you know, to your point about hot sex swinging from the chandeliers, I am really of the mind that when you have an intimate, close relationship with someone, there is such greater intensity to be discovered in the sexual connection than someone who you're hooking up with just purely based on sex and physical attraction. And I know you talk about this a little bit in your book. So can you talk to us a little bit about how you distinguish desire versus attraction and sexual chemistry versus sexual harmony? These are important concepts that I think people need to understand. So let's start with attraction. There are six ingredients that came out of our research, right? So one of them is attraction. One of them is respect. One of them is compassion. One of them is shared vision. One of them is trust. And one of them is acts of loving. So six, right? Okay. No particular order and no significant amount of difference between them. They all have to be there now mm -hmm. with attraction. A lot of times when we start being in a relationship, we assess the fit for a partner and this is not true for the rest of the world. Is certain cultures, specifically like the United States in this day and age, right? So, and bigger cities. 
you go forward and you want somebody to make you feel something. That's what we're looking for. Mm. I didn't feel it for them. I didn't feel like, you know, I could jump all over them. So if that is the criteria, we are looking for sexual chemistry. Evolutionary speaking, sexual chemistry is amazing to bring two people together, make cute and healthy babies, yeah. which are, you know, like diverse in their genus, mm -hmm. and then um, off you go. So there's nothing about building something with that person. Now, if you have sexual chemistry or don't have sexual chemistry with your partner, um, don't fright. There's a way like, you know, to describe that as well. If you, let's say you come together based on that sexual chemistry, right? By the way, in our research, it shows, showed that physical attraction is the most important one. So in our research, physical attraction um, was more important than sexual chemistry. And the difference between them is you look at someone, you really physically are attracted to them. If they are that body type that you like, they are that, and that that's very much um, socially constructed. Mm. The difference between that physical attraction that is socially constructed and sexual chemistry that is evolutionary based, that I'm going to go get on with this person, have sex, make babies that are healthy and diverse with their genes, right? Um, these are two different things that I don't think we talk about them enough and we have enough ways of um, analyzing them for the people to actually absorb and understand and live by. Mm -hmm. That's one, the difference between sexual chemistry, physical attraction. Can I ask a the question about that before you move on? Please, please. Can you have one without the other? I mean, I, well, I could see being attracted to someone and ultimately not feeling like there's much chemistry there, but it's hard for me to imagine feeling a ton of chemistry with someone who you're not also physically attracted to. Sometimes it's really interesting, actually. I have to say I've seen that other yeah. way around huh. as well. That um, I don't know if you've heard this phrase. I fell for this person, but she's not my tie. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I can see that. You yeah. know, mm -hmm. sometimes it's that draw of that really mm -hmm. primal yeah. chemistry draw. I'm actually, I'm thinking of this um, series. I think it was on Netflix called... Um, love and death and it was uh i don't know if you saw that it was played by one of the not one of the olsen twins but one of the other olsen sisters but it was based on a true story of this murder that happened in texas where this woman had an affair and she said throughout all of the trial that it was something about this guy's smell that attracted her to him that she he was not who she would have typically been physically attracted to but as soon as you said that it made me think of that series and so yeah i guess you can't have that draw if you will, to someone who you wouldn't ordinarily be physically attracted to. Exactly. And actually smell and taste, saliva mm -hmm. taste mm -hmm. yeah. and the smell are the ones that are very mm -hmm. much intertwined. Mm -hmm. And the smell of sweat, for example, yeah. intertwined yeah. with the sexual chemistry. Mm -hmm. so we know based on other colleagues' research that um, Ellen Long, for example, um, I mean, late Ellen Long, mm -hmm. and Helen Fisher and other colleagues are also around the world, that um, that sexual chemistry with a partner that you live with, uh, it will go away or fizzle out, or at least dims, mm -hmm. on average two years. So now yeah. imagine, you get together with a person that is not, you don't have intellectual, social, financial, other form or forms of attraction to, and then now you're left with this person, that thing is gone, mm -hmm. and I'm not, 
they end up on my couch. Yeah. Love him. I'm not in love with him. So mm -hmm. you see where this is all coming from? Totally. And it's really interesting. Whoever that reads the book, they say, oh my God, this is so common sense and mind-blowing. Because <laughs> yeah. you're so misguided. <laughs> you know? Right, exactly. Exactly. I was just writing, I was just writing a blog kind of to this point about the difference between chemistry and compatibility and how much of one versus the other do we need. And and really for healthy long-term relationships, you need both you know i don't think you can just have chemistry and expect that that to expect that alone to sustain a long-term relationship because especially if there is relationship conflict or you don't feel safe or you can't be vulnerable in your relationship that chemistry that sexual spark is going to fizzle out so fast but if you just have shared values and there's not much sexual chemistry what do you think can that be cultivated what's your what's your take on this in the book um if you don't have physical attraction to begin with with somebody that i am yet to see that is cultivated mm -hmm. it's you can have a you know civil very nice relationship sometimes even good sex but it doesn't um, and for some people it doesn't really matter it's not very important to them but based on our research that was one of the factors that um, because we included only thriving couples this is not yeah. one of those research <clears throat> that was done with college students or you right. know like this is like with couples that on we got uh, couples that were in together and self-identified as thriving in their relationship one year to 40 years Love of that. being together. Mm -hmm. So um, in that, they talked about that, you know, when I look at them, it's a pleasant feeling for me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And um, of course, there are seasons of life that we go through changes, disabilities happen, accidents happen. You know, we go through different sure formations of uh, bodies and uh, um, appearances but that's why the six ingredients every day you are going to see that's why i call them ingredients they are all necessary mm -hmm. to that love to emerge um, but also every day you wake up you're like you know what today my relationship needs a little bit more respect a little bit more compassion mm -hmm. a little bit of that a little bit of that everything is present but you can adjust the ingredients yeah. every day to make sure that that love is not going to mm -hmm. finish. So yes, these six ingredients. And I love what you said that probably most of the time you don't need 100%, I'm sorry, 100% of all six ingredients at one time. Would you agree with that? That sometimes you need maybe more or less of another? What do you mean by one time? So you outline these six ingredients. Do you yes. think that they all need to be strong all of the time? Or yes. are there seasons of life where maybe you focus a little bit more on one or a few of them versus some of the others? No, they we need them all at 100% all the time. <laughs> Not well, I wouldn't say 100%, but let me give you an analogy. Okay. So this model of love that I'm proposing has not been there. So it's very delicate to describe it in a way that because we lived centuries with different forms of love. Mm -hmm. But the analogy that I can use is the one that I learned from systems thinking from Jamshid Qarashadari's book, actually, systems thinking. So imagine this. If the model of love that we grew up with, everybody really in the world, so they were telling us that love comes first, 
It gives us such a foundation, the rest will follow. This is not that. This is the six ingredients are intertwined with one another at all times. They are present and consistent for love to even have a chance to emerge. Now, I'll mm -hmm. tell you why. Think of it this, like this analogy that I got from that book. Think spark and log. Okay. If we come together in a conducive context full of oxygen and heat, what do you get? Fire. Fire. Mm -hmm. Take one of them away for a second. Would the fire exist? No. That's the six ingredients. Mm. So the love that we are talking about, emergent love, is an emergent entity. It's, it can only be based on the interactions of those elements that make it. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. No, I, I can see that. What is your advice for people who are struggling out there in the dating world and feel burnt out? Maybe they've gone out with different people who just really aren't matching up or coming close to some of these. I mean, what is your words for encouragement for people who are struggling to find a partner that checks all six of these boxes? Mm, I would say the six boxes. So, okay. So let's go to chapter three. Okay. I talked about uh, what we bring to love. The first thing I want these people to do, take a pause, please. Not a long pause, just a pause. I would like you to think about your love blueprint. How does love look like to you? This is really important. And there are certain questions that, you know, people can follow to um, get to that, right? Yeah. And uh, let me actually open it to give you because there are building blocks in the book that like, let's say for example i walk them through one of them right i want you to know about your sensitivities quirks and pet peeves and then when you're dating somebody i want you to really pay attention to those some people say my gut feeling they just refer to their guts for me if you don't have a polished gut you can't really trust it so yeah. first let's polish that gut so that you can have that guide Right, right, right. Which I think coming back to your comment about love blueprints means taking a look back and thinking about how love was modeled for you, how respect was modeled for you, because you may have to do some work in that arena to polish your gut. Exactly. And you need to make sure that your boundaries are lovingly and firmly in place. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, you're going to be sucked into somebody else's orbit and then uh, you will end up with this codependency and the rest is history, right? Yeah. Now, as I mentioned about the sensitivities, quirks, and pet peeves, as one of the exercises that I want people to do, um, so hopefully it will add value to them as, you know, like one of the practicalities that we can give them. Quirks are the things that we think they're cute about us. So for example, I laugh a certain way, I have my coffee a certain way, I hum all the time, you know, whatever, sure. right? Usually people don't know that about themselves. So I recommend that they go out and ask people around them from, you know, best friends to people who you know, or, you know, no, 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 right? Ask them. So you uh, have a list of your quirks. And then the second one is pet peeves. There are certain things that send tingle down your spine. Mm. They're your pet peeves. And there are certain things that you create pet peeves for other people that, you know, your sisters, your siblings, your parents, you know, your previous partners told you. 
Think about those two. There are certain things that are very sensitive for us. Think of it this way, that you have a chip on your shoulder, like maybe somebody betrayed you in a previous partnership, or you had an alcoholic parent, or, you know, a little bit of a sensitivity that an average person might not have. Mm -hmm. Know that about yourself. And then when you go outside, let's say, for example, trust is your issue or being with a person that growing up with an alcoholic parent is an issue. Your default might guide you towards people who have some sort of codependency to alcohol, to drug, to, you know, whatever. So that is your default. That's your blueprint, right? But having the consciousness around it, you are going to consciously avoid those people because you know that that is your sensitivity. Mm -hmm. You see how this comes mm-hmm. together? Yes, yes. And over a period of time in long-term relationships, sometimes our quirks become pet peeves for other people. Or their quirks that are so cute, and yeah, it's suddenly, they yeah. become so annoying. <laughs> so classic. <laughs> Very true. So yeah. Just a simple thing, but don't give up and don't look for the one. Um, the other thing that I can say, oh my God, I have so much to tell them. Um, start with your profile. Mm-hmm. I want your profile to project all of these six ingredients. Why mm-hmm. are you respectable? Why are you respectful? Love that. Make sure that they are coming across. What is your vision for yourself, for mm-hmm. your partner, for the relationship? Yeah. What is like, why are you trustworthy? Mm-hmm. Try to project all of these about you so that you also attract those qualities in the yeah. other person. Yeah. No, I think that's great. Well, There is so much packed into this book and I think everyone needs to go out right now and get a copy. So where can they do that and also learn more about you, Sarah? Sure. Uh, So the book was launched on February 6th in the US and February 12th, uh, UK and global. Yay. Wherever people get their books. (laughs) Yeah, it's exciting. Mm -hmm. Um, It's on Amazon, Barnes and Nobles, everywhere really, it's everywhere. Awesome. And um, yeah, and I'm on Instagram, LinkedIn. I'm actually, yeah, everywhere. You're everywhere too. (laughs) And I will be sure to link everything in the show notes so that it's easy. Um, Dr. Sarah, thank you so much for coming back on the show. It's always a pleasure. And I look forward to um, reading more in your book and recommending it to my clients. And of course, staying connected. And I would love to have you back again sometime. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure. Thank you. Thanks again for listening to Love and Libido with me, your host, Dr. Emily Jamia. If you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to subscribe and drop me a five-star review. Share with a friend who might find it interesting. As much as we can learn from experts, nothing makes us feel more connected than hearing from each other. If you have a story that relates to today's episode or just a general question about sex or your relationship, visit loveandlibido.com and I'll share it on an upcoming episode. Be sure to visit my website, emilyjamia.com to see my latest blogs and to check out my online workshop. Subscribers to my podcast can use code half off. Finally, you can follow me across all the social media channels for daily sex and relationship tips at Dr. Emily Jamia. Thank you so much for tuning in.